Okay, so I've never not had a great conversation with this guy, and he always brings great insight to whatever our topic of discussion. Please welcome my longtime friend and now business partner to the podcast, and thank you for listening. Hello. Evening, sir. How you doing today, brother? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just woke up from my daily nap. That sounds really nice. What you been up to today, Cyrus? <laughs> Um, not too much. Just work. Um, trained some nice people. Trained, um, trained them hard. I think. Gotcha. And then a uh, little, little stuff around the gym. And now I'm just finishing up, and I'm talking to my friend Terrence now. You at um, the gym right now? No, no. I'm down the street in my car because the gym has loud music, and I don't want to turn it down and make anybody not enjoy themselves. Uh, with that being said, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Then we'll move forward from there. Um, so I'm Cyrus Mogadasi. I'm a personal trainer and I own a, I want to call it a boutique or well, one-on-one training gym in Woodland Hills. Okay. Um, I'm very, very lucky, very, very lucky guy. Cause I have really nice trainers and awesome clients and, um, and it's, uh, it's working out. Okay. I'm, I'm really very fortunate. So it's, it's great. Got it. So we, we go way back Cyrus. I think I've known you probably for about, I don't know. I don't really try to keep up with the numbers because it only reminds me of how young I am, but probably for at least five or six years, if not, yeah, probably about five or six years. Right. I think so. Maybe it could be a little more. Um, I know we've met uh, at Wilden Hills athletic club and I'd actually known of you before I met you because some of our mutual friends like Danny and stuff had mentioned you and said they had this friend who's this Excellent trainer, excellent sprinter, amazing athlete, great guy. Oh, well, thank and then you. Um, thank not you. that long after, yeah, it's true. And it was true. Not that long after, actually, you started coming in again. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is what they were talking about. This guy is legit. You were always working super hard. And so uh, since Will and Hills Athletic Club, what have you been up to? So um, let's see, after I left there, I went to a couple small different gyms with my clients um, and all pretty good experiences. Um, I went to one place called Maxim Performance. That was really great and really nice owners. Um, I went to a place called EPX. We had kind of a deal in place, but because they had a second location, I was going to help run it, but um, they had lost some funding for it. Nothing, you know, nothing, no fault of their own. Uh Um, So it was, but it was still pretty cool because I still got to learn just different training things, different equipment, you know, different different setups. Um, and then uh, briefly, I was at a place called the Compound with a friend of mine, and uh, my clients were all really nice and they were willing to go to different places. And they actually kind of liked the change of scenery because they were all very close. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then finally, I got to open up a spot, and I recently moved to Woodland Hills, which is good because it's where you know I've always been based out of, and. Um, I've been just really lucky that uh, clients have responded. And I think because I've always had a lot of trainer friends and I've been to a lot of gyms, I got to, you know, hopefully learn a lot and know what kind of stuff I like to do, what kind of stuff my friends like to do. So, you know, I try to create a place that felt like, you know, where all the trainers that I enjoy spending time with and working with would be comfortable and happy. So, um, yeah, I've know, always it's uh, like the great. 
Yeah. I've always uh, definitely focused on the fact that when you're a trainer and you're spending that much time in the gym, it's almost like your second home. You definitely want to be in an environment where you can get along with the people that you're working around. That's one of the things that I used to love about Woodland Hills Athletic Club was the maturity of the trainers there. Um, I definitely made it a point of my own to stay away, stay away from any gossip that, that you know may have popped up, but the maturity of the trainers there was definitely a, a highlight um, as far as that being one of my fitness homes over the past couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, that's number one is, you know, you're going to have people, some of us spend, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours. So you have to learn how to navigate that and um, how to develop, you know, pleasing relationships and how to learn from each other. And um, I was really lucky even when I was new there um, and I'd heard that some people got a little, you know, um, you know, get, got a little hard, a bit of a hard time in the beginning, but everybody was really nice to me. Um, I, I think, and I hopefully, hopefully I, I remember correctly. I try to come with a pretty, uh, friendly attitude and, um, I, I learned so much just by being around that many trainers, Right. you know, as, as much as, a, yeah, you, you pick up new tricks, new movements, new ideas, you try things out, you train with someone for a couple of weeks and see, um, and it was a really good experience. And yeah, like you said, there's always going to be random, you know, gossip and things between any group of people. But I, I have to say that the net experience was really positive, really right. welcoming. And, you know, it's very educational to work with a lot. I think um, it's, I'm real fortunate to have been able to go to big places and small places and, and see the different vibes and environments. So yeah, they definitely, um, definitely had a full house there. So be more specific. Yeah. You've been a personal trainer for about how many years? I believe it's coming close to 12 years, okay. 11 or 12 years. And before uh, that, what were you doing? Um, really weird, odd jobs. Okay. Um, a lot of times like customer service stuff, sales, um, most stuff dealing with people. I mean, I've, I've always liked that. I've always been kind of extroverted, right. um, but not, none of the jobs for the most part really were that remarkable. Um, for a little while I worked at a high school. That was really cool. Um, gotcha. It was really Difficult, but really great. But yeah, I, I don't want to say I was floundering, but I wasn't really fitting in anywhere. And um, when I reconnected back into fitness, right, it was. I think like a lot of people, when you when you rediscover how much you love something, it was really nice to come home again. You know, so you say you known. say reconnect. What does that mean? You were in fitness yeah. before you started um, the the odd job, so to speak. Yeah, as a kid, I mean, I played some sports. I did a lot of martial arts. And then in high school, I played a little sports, but I was always starting to get into weight training, calisthenics. Okay. Um, and always in martial arts. Martial arts was always my, my big thing as a kid. And then um, a little bit of sports, a lot of weightlifting because I played a little football and that really uh, opened up that interest. Um, and then like a lot of martial artists, you read about Bruce Lee and he had such a amazing mind for cross training and trying new things. And he was a real pioneer as far as physical fitness goes and mental and philosophy goes. So, um, you know, that made me curious about that, but, uh, you know, some years later, probably around college, I just started training less and less partying more and more, right. not being as, you know, and, and not being a kid anymore. So food actually started to matter a little bit. And, so probably a couple of years after that point, um, you know, exercise was here and there. Um, I like to lift weights sometimes, but I wasn't really training okay. and I didn't really, I didn't really think about food. I just knew like eat a lot of protein, um, <laughs> right. you know, typical, you know, typical bro culture stuff. Right. Um, and eventually at my last kind of unsatisfying job, I just had a moment where I realized I don't feel that good anymore. And I always felt, I always felt really strong and had kind of, 
a gift of having a lot of energy. Like my friends would even joke that at a party or whatever, I would just keep going. I wouldn't get tired. I just, I kind of had, had that. And I was always excited that I could do that and it went away. So I thought I needed to start taking care of myself. And my wife at the time, my girlfriend, my wife now, she, got me a book that was really interesting okay. uh, called the four hour body. It was called the four hour body. And every chapter was a different thing. It wasn't a, a book about do all this. It was, here's little things you can try and you don't have to try any of them. Like it was kind of a choose your own adventure. And so not only did I try some of those things, but he really talked about how he learned those. And I looked into those people and right. those people's teachers. So it was a really nice jumping off point. And after that, I realized how much I wanted to learn. So just started reading a lot, getting back to the gym, reading, watching movies, videos, absorbing as much information as possible. Yeah, and I definitely no, consider no, you to be one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to fitness and just, just life in general. But uh, I'm going to take away from one of the things you just said. You said your girlfriend, who is your wife now, actually bought you this book yes. that sort of inspired you to want to learn more and more about fitness. And I'm touching on that because I think for the young listeners out there, it's very important your partner. Your partner is very important. I mean, if you get somebody that's like-minded or a little bit more positive, a little bit more um, objective-driven than you are, that's a good thing because you want to be two positives coming together, not a negative and a positive. You want somebody that's going to uplift and empower you, take you to that next level, so to speak. So yeah, just as simple as her buying you that book because she saw you were interested in something, it seems like it may have reshifted the entire you know direction of your life and it sort of brings you to the place you are today right now. Not, not only is she your wife now, but as you spoke earlier, you're a gym owner. So uh, I know it's kind of hard to see those things while they're happening, but it's nice to be able to look back on them and say like, hey, look, this guy had a good partner and that partner has, you know, helped shape him to become the person who he is today. I think that's some, some good stuff. I think that's uh, absolutely correct. And, um, and I'll steal from a lot of other people. I think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger once said very brilliantly that uh, despite what people say, there's no such thing as self-made that everything he accomplished was because he had teachers and yeah. And people who encouraged him and, uh, and great partners and training partners and a wife and, and, and I'm not by any means to the level of accomplishment of anything like that. But that lesson is true that, um, and someone else, I don't even know who said it said that, you know, for the most part, we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Mm. So it's important to spend time with people who, whatever their preferences are, whatever their style is, whatever their thing is, that ultimately they're about um, quality and kindness and encouragement. That's and okay. anything else after that is is just to me is just the flavor. But if someone believes that you know those are the core principles, then. I think everything follows pretty well. And because my my wife likes fitness, but it's not her number one thing by any measure. But she recognized that there was a curiosity in me and thought she she spent time thinking about not just any random good fitness book, but one that would speak to me, you know, and the fact that she knew that that would speak to me was uh, uh, fantastic. Um, It's tough. Good stuff. So uh, I'm going to touch on bases again because you say you're a boutique gym owner. Uh, I guess that boutique term just means that you own a smaller facility, maybe under 5,000 square feet or something or something around that. But um, sure. what are your thoughts on 
the gyms right now because obviously the big houses aren't opening up anytime soon. I don't have any word about them opening up. 24-Hour Fitness is bankrupt. Um, I never right. really went to Equinox, so I can't give you too much information on that that level of gym. But um, personally, I see the the smaller boutique-style gyms being the one that are going to being the ones to a certain point that are going to survive this thing because if you're just a little bit too big and you got that overhead, then you're definitely missing out on that income to take care of that. But if you're just the right size, you know, which I think your place is, I, I, I like you said, see you in a pretty lucky spot right now. A hundred percent. I mean, I think all things kind of have uh, a spectrum of risk. The bigger you go, generally speaking, the more possible it is to make a lot of money, a lot of profit, mm-hmm. have a lot of clients, a lot of trainers. But you, it takes a serious investment. I mean, I've, you know, in the past, I've talked to partners and bankers and very wise people about if I wanted to open a 10, 12, 15, 20,000 square foot gym. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this area is expensive. So, right. you know, you're talking, you're talking about millions of dollars of loans and rent and equipment and staff and managers. And it's a serious endeavor. Right. But if, if it operates well, you're talking about a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, of course, as exciting as that may be, it's a it's a massive risk and undertaking. Right. Whereas being smaller, it means I'm very comfortable with the idea that this isn't a way for me to try and make a lot of money or make some elaborate franchise or anything like that. That's not my my personal take on it, which is and I don't mind if that's somebody else's, but that wasn't my goal. My goal. Right. I thought, you know. With all the things that I've seen and all the pressure I've seen and talking to bankers and looking at loans, that maybe it's instead of having a risk, if I have something small, I'm more flexible. I'm I'm safer in that it can always be pretty much the way I want it to be. It's easier to control. Mm-hmm. I don't have to rely on, on too many other people or opinions. And, um, and yeah, it means that my income is definitely – limited to something much more reasonable. I'm not going to make a million dollars a year in a couple thousand square feet. At least I don't know how to do it. Um, <laughs> and I don't, and I don't know that it's, it's something that I, I need to do. It's not my goal. Right. Um, so I think that you're right. Like a place that's relatively small that has a much more reasonable overhead. Um, as long as there's high standards of cleanliness and customer service and that the trainers fit their area. Well, you know, whatever that is, whether it's a a bodybuilding area, a CrossFit type area, whatever, whatever thing that, 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 you know, customer base likes, then it has a lot more flexibility. You know, I'm not, I'm not stuck to a certain style. So if I, if I can't do cardio classes, I don't have to, I have the space to do just training. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, so for I one, that, yeah. I'm de- I definitely like your setup. And uh, I've been going back and forth to retirement with the idea for years. And at some point, you know, I was very happy that I didn't get into it. But eventually it's got to happen because it just keeps coming back to me. I mean, I have to have my, my own building. I've, I've outgrown the front room in the house. I've outgrown the garage. And I, I need that. I think that that's the next level in my evolution is that space. So uh, I definitely look at your little setup, you know, and I'm like, mm, this, this is, this is probably what I need to start with, you know, because if I can, if I can succeed there, I can either be happy with that or I can take it up a notch from there. But I definitely see my starting point. Um, your place really inspires me and make me want to do it more and more. But well, that's, I really appreciate that. And, and similarly, I, I remember, from the first time seeing some of the cool stuff you were making. And like, every time I'd see you, you had more interesting ideas and you'd clearly talk to so many trainers and, and people who work out about different sizes and fits and different color combinations. And it was always good. I want to make that clear, but seeing 
just this constant evolution of creativity and comfort. You're like, this is, this isn't like a hobby, you know, it's, it's a passion and it's something that it's very clear. You spent the time really thinking about it and really understanding the culture because I mean, probably, you know, because we're not like 20 years old, we've been to a lot of gyms. We know a lot of workout people and that gives you a lot of insight. So it's, uh, it's it's a it's a two-way street, I think. I don't think inspiration usually works one way. No. Um, so I appreciate it. I mean, uh, I've said it more than once to myself, if not to other people, that, that again, giving credit to Woodland Hills Athletic Club and everything that it did for me, it definitely helped grow my company because the level of people that were able to take my brand out of that one space into the world was uh, was definitely, again, a good position to be in. So, uh, and, and as far as the customers with trainers, you know, maximum support from all the trainers with the gear. And I mean, sometimes I, I think to myself like, damn, how many get hurt shirts do you need? So-and-so, I mean, you have just as many as I do, <laughs> but I understand because I make it. But yeah, I mean, just the support I got there was, was always, I was always, it was, it was, it was always a blessing and I was always appreciative of it. But, um, but yeah, speaking about Woodland Hills at the club, cause, um, I think we're, we're stuck on Woodland Hills athletic club right now. That was the home of the first, the first challenge I did. And the challenge was a powerlifting meet that I started back in, I think 2014 was the first one. And then powerlifting meet is the squad, the deadlift and the bench. And then I remember your little situation there that fucking almost <laughs> screwed up the entire event, yeah. but at the same time, it added a little excitement to it. So if you want to elaborate yeah. on that a little bit more and talk about how you want to bench press correctly for the young ones out there, yes. that'd be great. Yes. Well, so yeah, so the event was coming up and I'd spent, uh, had to be, I mean, I always do strength training. I like, I like lifting fairly heavy weights, but I really was like, okay, I'm excited. I'm going to really, you know, bulk up. I'm going to eat big, bigger, even actually, I always eat big too. Um, and really try and get my peak peak at the moment of the, of the competition. So I really focused my training really on powerlifter style training, which was really fun. Um, because it's, there's nothing more fun than having ice cream whey protein shakes every night. Um, and my five foot seven frame, I don't know if you know, but I was like 226 pounds on that day. Um, you weigh well, which my five, I mean, yeah, I was thick. I was real thick. So I was feeling real strong and, um, yeah, we were warming up and then I think it was time for bench press. Cause I believe, yeah, we started with bench press that day. Cause okay. I don't think I'd done even squats or deads. Yeah. I don't think. And, um, you know, I think I did 315 pretty easy, 335 pretty easy, 355. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, today's going to be something like between 365 and 375. That's, that should match the math that I've been calculating. That should match my training. Right. It should be very, do- it should be very doable. So I'm, uh, I got Mike behind me and I don't remember who's on the sides. Got 365 on the bar and, What's funny is when I look at the video, I didn't even false grip it. That's what's weird. Oh, you still I didn't have, have the video? Oh, uh, I think I do. Unless, I got, <laughs> unless it's not saved. But it. I, I had it at least up to about, yeah, I've had it for a while. Um, I try to watch it sometimes because I want to remember that, yeah, you know, sometimes shit happens. Right. Um, so I had a regular grip, but I, I, I think my wrist position was weird or maybe I was too wide. But right. I definitely didn't have a false grip. Okay. Um, and the false grip is when the thumb is not incorrect. Yeah, false grip, and then you do like your thumbs over toward your fingers instead of under wrapped around. Got it. Um, I did an under wrap, so I think maybe my, I'll have to check the video, it's been a while. I think maybe my grip was too wide or something, or the bar was a little bit too deep in my wrist. Okay. I start the press, it goes down, it's moving up at a pretty good speed, and I can say confidently, I had that rep. Like, no joke, I'm certain it was going to come up, 
and it fell right out of my hands. It wasn't on the rack. It wasn't my grip. I think maybe I was rolling my wrist as I did it. Right. Or something like, you know, I didn't, I don't think I used any chalk, but I, I never really bench press with chalk. Right. I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a particularly, you know, uh, weird bar. It was a pretty standard gym bar. Nothing fancy. Right. So for, for, for those of you that aren't understanding where we're going with this, he's got how much? 265, you said on the bar? 365. 365. Okay. Yeah. We don't yeah. want to forget about that 100. <laughs> 365 on the bar. And you go in the up position, the rep is completed, and it, for some reason, comes out of your hand. Yeah, I'm about three quarters up, so it's not locked out yet. So, But I'm moving it. It's, it hasn't stopped. The bar drops from my hands, and it lands just below my sternum at the very, very top of my stomach. Mm. And, I mean, I grew up doing martial arts. This was worse than a very, very qualified black belt drilling a sidekick to your stomach. This was about as bad a hit I've taken to my stomach mm. in my life. And I've taken some. No, okay. not, not a million, but definitely quite a few. It hits me in the stomach, and then because Mike was awesome and whoever was spotting on right. the side, they grabbed yeah. that bar. They, they ripped that bar right off. Yeah. Shout out to those guys, man. Again, that team. That team keeping shit together. It hit me so hard. I remember sitting up immediately, and I could see everybody's faces were absolutely like stone cold scared <laughs> that something happened right and i remember thinking i remember being not only in pain not only frustrated that i couldn't breathe but also upset that i've just made this many people scared when i know they shouldn't be scared but right. they don't know that, that that i know that right so it took it took i remember i mean it's hard to say because you know time compresses but right it felt like it felt like maybe ten or fifteen seconds before I could pull any air in my body, and it wow. punched every it punched every ounce of air out of me. And I remember thinking how hard it was to try to draw a breath, but I put my hands up to tell people like, "Don't get near me, I'm I'm alive." Right. Um, but it was a lot of pain, so I didn't know if I had like a cracked sternum, even though it hit below. Okay. I just didn't know, but I was I was pretty sure there weren't any broken bones because it hit me below the bones. But I thought, I don't know, did it rupture something? it's hard to feel at that point. So, so on a scale of one to 10, this is 10 plus or, or what's the deal with the pain level? I don't think the pain is 10 plus. I think the surprise, okay. the, the, like the gust of air out of you is really high, but the actual pain probably is like eight because okay. I, I remember I didn't get like nauseous or I didn't immediately think I'm going to die. Like there okay. was none of that. It was just, I just thought, oh shit, I might have something broken or something ruptured. Right. But I remember, I remember almost immediately being more upset, upset that like, I really, really hate when I've done something practiced and I mess it up. I don't care if I mess up a beginner thing cause I'm new to it. So right. if you showed me an exercise, <laughs> yeah, you right. know, like, like I don't do a lot of single leg RDLs. So if right. I don't do them perfectly, I don't, I don't feel bad, right. but I do a lot of, basic bench press and squat. So if I, if I screw up a rep that I've done or that I know I should do, it, it bothers me. Okay. And not if I miss the weight, I don't care if I miss the weight, but I did it wrong. That was the problem. So I felt like embarrassed, not just in pain. And I remember putting my hand up and then finally, when I was comfortable, a few people came to saw me and I said, I'm so angry. I'm not even just in pain. I'm angry. I have to stop the competition. I have to drive to the damn doctor and make sure I'm okay. <laughs> It was that. I don't I don't so, remember seeing the actual drop because I was running around, you know, doing administrator stuff, but I do remember the situation when it happened. And the only vision I have in my head is I'm seeing you out out in the back at the side door, just pacing, you know, and everybody's, you know, a couple guys, yeah. not everybody. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, 
Does the meet go on? Does the meet, you know, because this is my first powerlifting meet that I'm that I'm hosting here. But uh, like I said, everything worked out for the better. I'm glad you were able to walk away, and I definitely contribute that to that barrel ass chest of yours. Because without that, I don't know what would have happened. But uh, but yeah, another story from from Whack Willing Hills Athletic Club, and that was uh the challenge one, and still good times. So I still got plenty of video from that, but I definitely don't have the video of what you're talking about. So if you find that, go ahead and shoot it over my way. I absolutely will. I'd love to because it was important for me to like feel the same that like mistakes can happen even if you're practiced, even if you're prepared. Um, and it's really important you have a good team around you, which we did. And it's important that even if you're going to make a mistake that luckily you're right. Like I'm big enough that, that I could handle that mistake right. because if, if it had been over my neck, Right. Obviously, that's pretty. That's pretty perilous. If it had hit my chest, it could have cracked my sternum. I don't know that it would, but it could have. Right. Um, but yeah, when I went to the doctor, they're like, "You're fine." I remember I was pacing because I was trying to make sure my breathing was regular because right. I was like, "I need to make sure that I'm not." Um, and I was debating if I even was going to go to the doctor and how I was going to tell my my wife that I did this stupid thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> And nobody, and what's funny is nobody thought of me like, oh, you're a failure. They just thought, are you okay? Right. But in uh, my mind, no. I just kept thinking. Like I just kept thinking, happens, you know, man. Shit happens. It does. And, I, and I've always tried to pride myself that I'm not the strongest guy in the gym. I'm not the, uh, the most special at any lift, but there's not usually a lot of debate that I try to lift with a certain degree of like clean technique, right. you know, that all said and done, I'm going to do it the right way. So I was so pissed that yeah. it didn't go correct. I hear you, man. But it could have been a whole lot worse. So we're thankful for it just Absolutely. not going correctly. <laughs> we'll settle for that. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Uh, so, but, um, um, yeah, man. Good times. Good times. So um, we talked uh, last week when I was at the gym. I don't know how we got into the to the conversation, but um, we were talking about um, John Wick and uh, how yes, I've never seen yes. any of the episodes. So I took it upon myself to make sure oh, before yes. we did this podcast <laughs> that I watched John Wick. Keanu Reeves, for okay. you guys who didn't know. I think everybody does know, though. But uh, sure. the first one, story was pretty good. Action, pretty good. I enjoyed it. But for some reason, I thought the second one was garbage. It's like, it's one of those movies where they just made it just to follow up the buzz, to make a little flow, and make a little cash off of it. And because of the way the second one went, I mean, it opened up with him getting his car back. I don't want to tell you too much, but I think everybody in right. the world probably saw it except me. And then he smashes this shit up and he's got to get it fixed. But I know how cars work and the way he smashed it up, there was no getting it fixed. But anyway, I was sort of like, uh, do I really want to watch part three after part two was so lame? I kind of feel like it wasted two hours of my life. But I watched part three last night and it was mm -hmm. ridiculous. Adding Halle Berry... <laughs> And the dogs, I mean, they, they knew they had to step it up based. I think they knew they had to step up, um, what is it, Parabellum, John Wick 3, Chapter yes. 3. They had to step it up yes. based on how lazy Part 2 was. But uh, it was ridiculous, man. I'm thinking, right, like, when can I watch it again, you know? And then I already <laughs> know that they're going to do a Part 4, and it's going to come out around the same yes. time where it was before all this crazy stuff started happening. It was going to come out the same time that the, the Matrix 4 came out. So he's going to have John Wick and the Matrix 4 coming out around the same time. So, um... Definitely a John Wick fan now. Definitely looking forward to part four. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting how he brought Lawrence back. You know, it's almost like a Matrix, you know, reloaded, you know, no point intended. Sure. But uh, just taking care of his team, that's all, you know. So, uh, yeah, John Wick 3 Parabellum was ridiculous. And I'm definitely looking forward to part four. So, uh, yeah, that was what I, that's what I did this weekend for the most part. But speaking about movies, <laughs> you know, everything's pretty much in the house now. So what's the last thing you uh, what's the last thing you saw? 
Um, and I, I actually don't don't disagree about John Wick. I think the first one story is the best. I think the second one just gets really silly with like it somehow makes it seem that everybody in the world is an assassin. I'm like, there's too many assassins. It doesn't make any sense. You can't right. go from you can't go from one Jason Bourne and then all of a sudden everybody's Jason Bourne. Like that's right. crazy. Um, and then the third one, I think it just it goes to a level of like the the scene with they're fighting with all the glass around and like that's great and and Halle Berry for really no reason other than look how cool Halle Berry is look how great these dogs are like this is fantastic so um that was hilarious I haven't um, had a dog seen- like that since I grew up I mean I stick to snakes and fish and lizards now there's just so much low maintenance but just watching those dogs in that movie last night I was like man <laughs> I think they were German Shepherds too that's what I had Sergeant was my German Shepherd growing up I was like man I'm gonna have to get me another German Shepherd they were just just disciplined and focused and I was like ah oh, man I, I definitely see um, a future with the dog here coming up shortly my kids are always asking me but I know I'll be the one taking care of the dog because they're just you know they're kids but uh, but yeah yeah John Week 3 dope go check it out if you haven't a little late but yeah it's good stuff yes definitely good stuff um, well side note one of the lovely trainers at our gym um, just had several German Shepherd puppies. So just saying, oh my if you're goodness. looking, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh oh. Uh, so okay. anyway, I'll put that out into the world, and we'll go where it needs to go. Okay. Um, let's see. In our house, I'm trying to think what the last movie we saw was. I can't think of anything. We saw a movie that was. I'm gonna have to ask my wife what it was called. Gotcha. Nothing, but nothing. Nothing's really struck me in the past little while. Oh, we saw a fun little movie. I guess it's on either Netflix or Hulu called Palm Springs. Um, that was fun. Was it like a, light. A, a cartoon or is it a real movie? No, it's a real movie. It's sort yeah. of like um, kind of a similar premise to Groundhog Day, where this two people actually end up reliving the same day over and over again. Gotcha. Um, it's okay. a little bit funny. It's a little bit sweet, but it's not. Uh, you know, it's pretty light, pretty light viewing. Gotcha. Um, Somebody was telling me about this movie called Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. So uh, I hear it's got a spinoff now, a TV series or something, but I didn't check out the original Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. So yeah, that's the movie life right now. Um, as a matter of fact, yeah, I, was, I, know. I was in the house the other day. Sorry about that. And I was like, man, we can't fucking go to the movies anymore. We can't just, what can we do? So I went outside and I put up an outdoor projection screen added some speakers, threw a stereo up in the cat house. I'll tell you about the cat house later. Uh, and we watched the movie outside. We watched uh, Love and Basketball. So now Lathan Omar Epps from back in the day, me and my wifey, uh, right before oh. the fires kicked up out here. I think we got what we call the Bobcat fires going on right now so that the air quality is shit. So uh, when I go out there, I got the, the elevation, the training mask on. I got that one, the vent that filters the air a little bit better. And um, yeah, man, we got that last, uh, that first and last outdoor movie in uh, before these fires kicked up out here in the, in the AV. So, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that's so brutal. You're right. There's other than a little bit of exercise and uh, what the occasional grocery store trip, there isn't that much. I mean, we can go to the park sometimes, All but right. sometimes they're really crowded. Um, and with the air quality, you can't go that often. You can't go very long. Um, I haven't gone on a weekend. I've heard the weekend beaches have been mayhem. Hmm. Um, I've gone to the beach, you know, once or twice in the past five months and it was nice. Um, people basically seem to kind of make their little circle of their family and kind of, you know, seem to be pretty responsible and pretty reasonable. I didn't see anybody being, I don't see anybody being like rude or, or just difficult with each other. I think we were all trying to just trying to find ways to keep the peace a little bit. Um, but yeah, 
And now that it's getting hot and the air quality is up and down, you can't even really do a lot of hiking. Can't do that much, especially with the kids. Um, you know, we can't even, we used to go to the library a lot with our daughter. Right. Yeah. There's not, not a lot of options. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's pretty I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping soon there'll be a few more options because I selfishly, yes, I also really miss going to the movies. I, I, I'd probably go once or twice a month, but you know, you don't go for a while and you realize, right. you know, there's Tenet, there's Tenet and James Bond and all these big fun movies coming out that it would be nice to actually experience. But uh, yeah, it's probably not probably like the last place to be is a giant room with a bunch of people breathing heavy and <laughs> oh no, yeah. Uh, but I think Tenet, we can watch Tenet on uh, what is it, Netflix or one of those joints. Oh really? That's uh, Denzel Washington's son, right? Yes, yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on it's on one of those uh, streaming services because I, I put it on my list of ones to watch. So yeah, you can definitely watch it at home, Tenet. Um, oh, looks like it's like happen. that uh, Inception type vibe. It's got something to do with time travel or something like that. I just got that from watching the trailer. Some objects can move through a different part of time while others don't. So got I don't it. really quite get it, but that's how it sounded like. So yeah. yeah. Other, other than that, like as far as like anything in the fitness front goes, like I I haven't heard a lot about any um, firm dates of gyms opening, particularly in LA, because I think it's a certain infection rate they're trying to get to. Right. Uh, I know a lot of small studios. Some of them are doing outdoor stuff. A couple of gyms have some outdoor spaces. Yeah, it's been tricky though. You know, it's real tricky. I, I have a little outdoor space in the mornings and the evenings we can use before it's too hot, which is good because the weather's getting a little better now. Yeah, uh, one of my buddies called me up from New York the other day, and he was like, you know, we had the summer because New York was like, what was that, Ground Zero, whatever they want to call it, when the coronavirus first kicked off. It was right. like a, a big scene, and uh. You know, the summer came along. They were able to get out uh, in the parks a little bit, like you said, responsibly. But now it's starting to get cold over there. You know, they don't, they can't really get out as much, and they're going to be stuck in the apartments again. So, yeah, it just, I've, I've sort of made a little mental note in my mind that my goal, small goals, I break them down into small goals to accomplish the big goal, is to make it to 2021. So whatever, whatever 2020 throws at me right now, I'm like, whatever, just, just, just do what you got to do. Um, just don't carry that shit over into 2021. But I say that to say we're laying in the bed because um, sometimes we watch the, the movie nights up in the, the bedroom because we got a nice TV up there. And we're watching Mulan and the smoke's out there. The fires are burning. You know, we got emergency bags packed and we're ready to go just in case we have to get evacuated. And a fucking earthquake. A earthquake <laughs> happens. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. You have to, people are being evacuated from their homes right now. The coronavirus is going on. People don't know when they're going to get their next paycheck. Ain't nobody going to work. And you want to throw the big one in the picture, as Fred Sanford would say. I was like, wow, right. 2020. An earthquake right now? <laughs> I mean, did you feel that out there? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were just basically falling asleep. And, um, of course, our daughter, thank goodness, with all the fun things she gave us as a little one, she sleeps like a rock. She didn't wake <laughs> up. We woke her up because we, we picked her up. Right. Because um, where we felt it, it didn't feel that strong, but it felt like a long earthquake. Right. Um, and I just, I, I had the same thought. I just thought, I don't know what else. I mean, I guess we're like very, very lucky and very coddled in our lives. Yeah. But I just thought, I mean, does it, do we need more than this? Is it, this is enough. I God. made a post on social media the next day. I was like, if aliens don't reveal themselves this year, I'm writing them off. Because that's the only thing we need next. 
There's a fucking spaceship, the little disc to come flying down, and the little green man comes out and says, you know, hello. <laughs> we come in peace, preferably. You didn't hear that that's happened? I kind of heard it. I kind of saw some stuff because no, no, like, I don't really watch TV and all, but, you know. Yeah. So, so be more specific. Sure what happened? Okay, so there was... Um, for years, there's been a few people reporting, uh, like actual Air Force people, not not just kind of random crackpots, about very, very particular phenomena. Uh, something like a unidentified aircraft that was moving in a way that defies any and all possible understanding we have of anything to do with aircraft. I believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but that they said it seemed to move from 60,000 feet altitude down to well below a thousand feet altitude in under a second, which is not possible. And multiple people have seen it. And one one Air Force, I think he was a pilot. Uh, I think he saw it multiple times, and he's talked about it extensively on like uh, podcasts and things like that. Right. And uh, definitely does not come across like a crazy person. I mean, right. and neither do the other people who talked about it. And uh, I guess now there is some kind of footage of it. And that whatever that object was, was possibly or very probably even uh, shutting down any kind of radar or any other kind of detection, uh, meaning that it has some kind of active way to stop detection, um, which would suggest it's not just an object. It could very well have intelligence behind it. Uh, and I think, again, I, I don't want to totally use the wrong words. I thought it was either NASA or another recognized U.S. space agency or or science agency, specifically referring to it as uh, an object or a flying vessel that is clearly not of this Earth, like absolutely mm. designed by. And like that's a now they're saying like that did happen. This is proof that it happened, and that there isn't a a lot of debate on it to that. Any other specifics? I don't think they have. But um, you know what? This so, is like the worst time, if any, for that to happen. And not because of what's going on, but it's like, it's just so much, right. so much information, so much media, so much over, overflow, so much, what's this, that, oh, the yeah. overflow? It's just so much that even yeah. it happened, like you said, it just got jumbled up and every, all the other stuff that I see all over the place. And I was like, I didn't give it, it even give it any attention, really. You know, I was like, ah, oh, okay, another UFO sighting. And I, I kept moving. And this is probably the realest right. It's ever been in our lifetimes, but because it's just so much stuff bombarding you daily, I just wrote it off as another <laughs> fake event or something, you know? Oh, yeah. The, the world is in such uh, disarray and there's so much going on and so much reporting of so much going on that you're right. Things that are also significant could easily get thrown away or washed away because yeah. there's just nonstop coverage. Um yeah, no, I think in quote-unquote normal times or in better times, right. if this were to happen, it would probably be a pretty big piece of news. Right. Um, I, I heard someone, I don't, I don't even remember who it was, theorizing that this is at least potentially a relatively smart way to get people gently used to the idea of some inevitable contact with some other kind of uh, you know, alien life form, whether that's a bacteria or you know, right. a one-eyed monster. I have no <laughs> idea, but right. that, you know, that this is like the tester kind of spoon feeding the information because, you know, again, not to be like a conspiracy guy, but I, I thought I've read before that typically when there's 
very classified or very like um, sensitive information that if it comes from the government slash military, there's a certain amount of years of buffer time. You know, right. they don't just say, oh, we saw a spaceship three weeks ago. Here it is. Right. And it would have to be filtered through enough time so that if we're if it's being acknowledged now that it's not new knowledge. Uh, so here I am so thinking if, that Independence Day with Will Smith was like the buffer. I mean, <laughs> you know, the movies, you know, I mean, sort of. I mean, <laughs> the, the weird thing is with any kind of technology, usually there's fiction about it well ahead of time. Right. Like laser beams, the Internet, someone creative thought of it before someone in science made it happen. Right. Now, if they kind of feed each other. Right. So someone advances science to level six. So somebody writes a book that goes to level eight. Then someone later advances science to level nine and someone writes a book to level 12, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been talking about aliens and invasions for a long time in history. Right. You know, on different levels and different scales. So, I mean, does it mean it's inevitable? Not necessarily, but... I mean, I think what you said earlier is true. It, it, already, it already has happened. You know, it's probably... They're, they're, among, they're amongst us already. It's just, you know, we got other stuff to focus on. <laughs> More than just aliens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. interestingly enough, you know, we got other stuff right. to focus on. But, uh, but yeah, man, yeah, it's been I great. Think. Yeah. So there's a couple questions that I sort of asked, like I got a little template or something, you know, I kind of just really enjoy just talking about just life and what's going on without referring to the template. But, um, you know, what's your um, I mean, what's the greatest challenge you've experienced uh, recently that you had to overcome? Because, you know, Good Hurt the Podcast is mostly about you sharing your challenges and how you overcame them so that anybody else possibly facing those same challenges can take a little bit from your experience and hopefully not have to go through what you went through. So, um, yeah, what do you got? Uh, I think very recently the most, uh, the biggest challenge was um, finding a way to move the gym to somewhere where um, we'd be able to be open um, mm -hmm. because I was partnered with somebody that wasn't going to be able to sustain their business. Right. Uh, we were basically sharing space. Um, so the biggest challenge was that, and the solution, like, I think probably most solutions was talking to people, getting ideas, figuring mm -hmm. out how to, uh, you know, maybe have a couple ideas on my own, but really how to execute it with people. I couldn't do any of it on my own. I can't move a gym right. logistically or, or physically by myself. Right. Um, having, and, and also even more importantly was having the support of people knowing that if I could do it that they would be there, right. that they would actually want to come and exercise that, you know, because even if you move a, a mountain on your own, but if nobody wants to use that mountain or it has no function, right. it doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, you moved so, it for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So in this case, it really came down to, um, you know, the logistics, the finances, the effort and all those kind of details, but really the, the kind of the emotional support and, Support of showing up that so many people were were comfortable giving, and that that was the thing. And that, that's kind of interesting because, uh, like I said earlier, I definitely see you as one of the smartest guys I know. Uh, I really don't see that as being a challenge for you because I've always heard you say something, and then I, I've saw it come to be. I've saw it done, and uh, I don't see what's going on in the background. Like you know, you're going through the struggles or whatever. You just say you had to go through the logistics and all that stuff. You know, you said I'm gonna do, I'm gonna open a gym. I was like, okay, sir. I said he's gonna open a gym. He's gonna open a gym. You know, I don't really think about all the stuff that you have to go through behind closed doors. But yeah, so that's funny that you say that because I just think that you just, <laughs> I honestly think that you just made it happen because you said it. You know, well, almost. I mean, I think what happens is I say it. 
Um, not being a hundred percent sure, but I say it because for me, and, and I'm not suggesting this is from like, uh, you know, any of the modern kind of self-help stuff, but I say it because the more my friends and people that I respect hear it, the more that on some level, whether they're trying to or not, they're going to help me. And right. I don't mean help me like by moving a, a weight, they're going to help me by being supportive, by giving me an idea, by recommending a person who can do this following thing, hmm. even just help me by giving me a, a, a little nugget of, uh, uh, support or appreciation or encouragement. Mm. Just someone right. saying, that's so cool. Sometimes uh. when you tell your friends something, it just them hearing them say, dude, that's a good idea. Or right. that's awesome. Or maybe try it like this. That's, that's the, that's the rub, you know? Right. Uh, so that was probably, that's, but it's funny that you say that, that I could just, but I, I wish, <laughs> <laughs> I wish it worked that way. Right. Okay, good answer, good answer. So, uh, so you got the gym up and running. Uh, definitely successful, if, you know, from what I see. So, uh, what are any? What's, what are some more goals you got going forward in the future? Uh, granted, we make it out of twenty twenty alive. <laughs> what do you got left? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, tr- yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be open. I mean, the, the goal would be, um, you know, once it's running to a certain level, which I think it's, it's, it will because it's pretty small, and I, I think it's, it's very doable, and we have so many great trainers in this area. Um, there's a couple of things I'm looking at. One would be um, maybe one day doing a second one, mm-hmm. um, or maybe one day because I know uh, one of our neighbors actually just left, so maybe one day um, growing into that space, um, or okay. just having another event, or having another not necessarily the same thing, but some other. T- tangential thing in fitness right. um, because it's the, it's the space that I like and that I know about. Right. Um, so whether, whether that would be, you know, working alongside someone else or, or what, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I always liked the classes that I was doing. So if, if in the future it's safe again to have relatively small classes again, um, you know, having a space for that or helping someone put that into their space. Um, that was something I really enjoyed. Um, Okay. So it's hard to say exactly, exactly, but because um, you always want to feel like you're satisfied, but you also want to grow. Right. So I don't want to, okay. you know. So it's it's that interesting space where you want to be happy with the meal you have, but you also want to be excited that tomorrow you get to eat again. <laughs> nice, well so. said, well said. Um, this this question always sort of irritates me to ask it. As a matter of fact, before I ask you the question, I'm going to share something with you. I, it's just my mentality. When, when we first started this this thing in 2020 uh, and you had to stay and you had to say stay safe safe is just like a a weak word to me for some reason I mean it makes sense you got to stay safe but I just felt like by me telling you to stay safe I was telling you to to give in to the to the powers that be you know don't don't be rebellious don't go against the grain stay safe you know stay safe just do what they say do and that's just not who i am so i came up with this acronym because military prior military we have acronyms for damn near just everything my acronym for safe i even put together a little t-shirt was strong as fuck every day so that's what safe means to yeah. me. So now when I tell someone stay safe, I'm basically telling you to stay strong as fuck every day, mentally, physically, spiritually, however you do it, just stay strong, stay ready. So I'm good with saying stay safe right now. So another thing that bothers me is when I ask this question about <clears throat> to my guests, I'm like, you know, what is your biggest fear? I don't like the word fear because I know how limiting it is. But there, right now I haven't come up with a different way to ask that question. So with that being said, I'm just going to put it out there. And if you want to elaborate on a better way to ask it, so be it. But what's your biggest fear? 
That's a great question. Um, and I understand what you mean by safety. I, I, I get that sometimes saying stay safe feels almost like you're saying stay afraid mm-hmm. or stay, um, you know, stay like you're not in charge of your strength. Right. Um, which is tough. Like, you know, it's or like stay dependent. Don't, don't, don't be, I, I get that. Um, my biggest fear, and not to get, you know, hyper political. That's not okay. The no, no, no. Of my, of say this, what you got to say of this answer. But, but my biggest fear is that the current of anger and inexcusable behavior and like basically lack of goodness and kindness that seems to be growing and seems to be more acceptable. My biggest fear is that it doesn't slow down for a long time or that it becomes acceptable or that we start fractioning worse and worse. I'm a huge advocate that there should be a lot of viewpoints, but I think calling hatred a viewpoint is not valid. You know, if we're going to all sit at the table and talk about a different belief system, you have a Christian, you have an atheist, you have a Jewish person, you have a Buddhist person, you have a Muslim person. If they're all there to peacefully discuss their ideas, there's no invalid viewpoint in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But if any of those people or another person sits at that table and says, how damned they are or how stupid they are or how evil they are, that person might not represent their own belief system very well. So their personality is now not a valid viewpoint. So for example, like in this political climate, I don't think it means that someone is inherently just conservative or Republican if they say things that I think of as hate speech. That hate speech is no business being allowed at the table. Mm. But that doesn't mean someone with conservative values, Republican values shouldn't be at the table. They actually absolutely should be at the table, as should every viewpoint. But when we start saying that anger and uh, racism are viewpoints, that's not a viewpoint. That's like a disease. And the disease, I would say, you know, without undermining anyone's passing, is far worse and more destructive than COVID ever will be. That hatred in people's hearts, that that they give to their kids about being racist or, or misogynistic. It's And it's really shocking to me because we'll get over COVID, whatever right. it takes, whether it becomes through vaccines, through, uh, you know, people getting used to it. I don't know. I'm not, I have no expertise in that. Right. But, but there's like a second, I don't know if it's a second wave. There's a very visible wave of these problems. And I, I can't say it. You know, if it's always been there, it probably has. And if it's gotten worse or if it's the same bad and we just see it more, it feels, though, like anger and hatred has gotten worse. I don't think it's I think it's the latter thing, what you just said. And I think I just discussed this with someone. Personally, I come from the deep south, so I saw life a little bit different than people are in California, which is where I am right now. But I also understood how things worked, so to speak. Um, I don't think hatred is any greater or any more excusable or any more accepted than it was then. It's still here. You know, there's light, there's day, there's, you know, there's the opposite. So you love hate. But I think that because of technology, you know, basically the internet, it makes this small virus is what we call it. This small disease appear to be a lot bigger than what it really is. And because it appears to be bigger, it sort of becomes bigger. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's always going to be, because it's sort of funny, you was just talking about how 
there, there's these different religions and these different viewpoints and everybody has a right to have their viewpoint. Well, that sort of means the same thing is, you know, if you, if your viewpoint is love, you have a right to have that viewpoint. If your viewpoint is hate, you have a right to have that viewpoint. That's just your viewpoint. Is that not correct in saying that? Because when you start telling them that they can't hate, then you're trying to change who they are. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just saying it is what it is. You understand what I'm, what I'm, what I'm leaning toward? Yes, that makes sense. I think the, the, where it becomes really gray is when a viewpoint is affects me. When your viewpoint affects me negatively, that's the problem. Not just negatively in terms of like, oh, you don't think I should be able to buy from your store when it affects me in that you actively want to harm me. You think that I'm not, I shouldn't be allowed. You think that my preference, like, for example, there are people from different viewpoints, mind you, they're not all from one religion or anything who would say something like uh, people who are gay have a mental disorder. Well, that isn't true categorically. That is not scientifically reality. That's not true. That is a harmful thing to say. And it will oftentimes lead to the justification of pretty severe violence and mistreatment. You can't fire someone just because they're gay. That's not, but if you're, if that's your view, that view is now destructive. Now, if your view is you personally are not gay, well, that's totally fine. If your view is that as a gay person, you're not trying to get other people gay, that's totally fine. Typically, I've never heard of gay people trying to convert people Mm -hmm. on a large scale. I don't think it exists. But if they did, you'd have to say, hey, you're allowed to be gay, but you can't try and push people into this thing without their will, without their consent. That's a problem. Right. So similarly, someone said, hey, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. That's a viewpoint. But if they said, I'm uncomfortable with it, they're not allowed in my city, in my store. And that starts becoming a, a big problem. So. I mean, I understand that there are going to be situations where we have to acknowledge that someone could have the viewpoint that they don't like me for my Middle Eastern heritage, but they can't mistreat me right. because I of agree. it. They don't have to. They don't have. Yeah, they don't have to marry me. They don't have to like me. But right. if I come into their hardware shop, my my money is as good as anybody's. I see this um, scenario in my head so right now. It's like it's like everybody's like everybody's happy, right? Everybody's happy, but in this happiness, we're also divided. You know, the African-Americans are here. The Middle Easterners are here. The Jewish people are here. Uh, the Hispanic, you know, the, the, they're, they're everywhere. They're, but they're, they're happy, but they're separated. So then you have someone coming in and they're like, oh, well, we need to be together. And then this togetherness is what starts to cause the, the, the turmoil because they believe this and they believe that and they believe that. So it's almost like we want to have our cake and eat it, too. Like, so what's right? I mean, do we just be happy in our own little bubbles? Or we or we go against trying to be happy because we got to be together? You know, it's just like we want, we want everything, you know? Of course, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that can be where growing pains are going to happen. But it, it comes down to anything. Like, if, uh, had I not met you and I just walked up to you the first time we met and said, Hey, you know my friends. Well, now you have to be my friend. That's how it works, buddy. You're in this gym. You're going to be my friend whether you like it or not. You probably, as a reasonable person, would be a little uncomfortable. So I'm like, ah, I don't know, dude. I never met you before. That's a pretty weird. But if I walked up to you and said, oh, hey, Terrence, I'm Cyrus. It's good to meet you. Your, your friend's a Danny. He speaks really well of you. If you ever want to grab a lift or a spot, just let me know. I'm around. That's a pretty reasonable approach. Right. If people want to, if people want to, it's, there's always a polite or diplomatic way to do it. 
there's always a way to do something where you're trying to come from the perspective of, let me see how this person is used to things. Maybe their culture, their, their style, whatever it is. How do they welcome things? But yeah, if you try to force it, force, I mean, and I should maybe, maybe I'm not qualified to speak on this because you were in the military. I wasn't, but I'm under the impression that almost any situation force is always the absolute last way to do it. It's never the first, um, right. in any conflict or any situation, we want to figure out what's the nice way first. Um, cause yeah, if someone just knocked on my door and said, Hey, by the way, all these, this group of people that you're not familiar with is going to just take over your neighborhood. I'd be like, well, that's, that's, unfamiliar right. but if someone said hey there's these there's these people that seem to be coming from a different country that maybe you don't know here's some information about them here's a place you can meet some of these people right i, I think that so i think so, we live in so, an age where so we're definitely on the you know we need to be together topic we need to be together we don't need to be separated to be happy we should be able to be together because we're all human beings be together and be happy. And even if there are situations where we don't agree on something, there's ways to, um, to soften it, to buffer the disagreement, so to speak. You know, I know you don't think the way I think, but as long as the way you think is not affecting me, then you should be fine thinking the way you think. And I'm fine thinking the way I think. Is that what we're saying? Is that what we're agreeing upon? Yeah, yeah. I think basically it's like you have your house, I have mine. There are rules in each house. But when right. we're not in each other's houses, there's also should be a kind of an agreed upon. These are the rules of the general space. Right. Society has okay. rules. In your house, yeah. yeah. And, and like in society, it's OK. We don't have to be best friends, but I shouldn't cut you off. I shouldn't yell at you. Right. You shouldn't. Get in, front of, get in front of me in the line at the grocery store or bang your cart into my car because you don't like my car bumper sticker. Like right. these are very basic rules. And then yeah. they can be pushed further. Like, you know, it's one thing, like we should be able to coexist as neighbors, but we don't have to go to each other's homes. Right. But in a great, in a good society, it would mean, even if I don't, even if you're not my friend, if you're my neighbor and you're not there, I'm still going to make sure no one like, you know, does something unruly at your house. If I right. see something weird, I'm going to call you. Right. I'm not going to be like, Oh, well that's his problem. That guy's <laughs> different. I don't care. Right. Um, right. And I so. think a lot of people have a heart, heart, they have a hard time with the world with the world getting smaller. I think maybe it's out of fear that they're going to get eaten up. Right. That, well, if I'm going to have to have, you know, African Americans in my neighborhood and Jewish people and Middle Eastern people, I'm going to get forgotten. Oh, I'm not important. I'm just the majority. You know, I don't know if that's the viewpoint or right. if it's, you know, and and it's like, no, that doesn't have to happen that way. Right. Um, you know, I think some of the best teachers or books or anything that I've ever experienced came from people who just thought past that. Right. They just had this viewpoint, like kind of going back to fitness. One of the most interesting things that Bruce Lee said or, or thought was anywhere you can learn from, you take what you can and you discard what's not useful. Right. He was not allowed as a Chinese person. He was not allowed to teach non-Chinese or women. And he immediately just thought, well, that's ridiculous. Why would I? His viewpoint was, first of all, that's preposterous because they're all people. People are people. Right. But also, I have this beautiful thing that I can share with them. How shameful would it be that I can't share it with more people? Right. And everyone has that. Maybe we don't all have that on the Bruce Lee level, but we all have something to share. And why would I deprive or why would I want to be deprived of what other people have, those gifts? Um, so I think that was... 
to me, from a philosophical I, I'm gonna, standpoint. I'm going to touch on that from a different point viewpoint, though. This thing that he wanted to share was martial arts, obviously, right? Yes. And this was his people's way of defending themselves, correct? Kind of. So yes, when okay. you want to take the way that we defend ourselves and share it with people that could possibly be our enemies, that's a problem. So that, okay. Traditionally, I would say if it was a time of ancient civilization and we're showing someone our thousand year old secret mm-hmm. and they're going to use it against us, that to me would be thinking from the kind of old world where Got his it. view was the world, his view was the world isn't, can't, it's not that it isn't like that. It won't end that way. We can't let it still be that way. Right. We need to actually basically become friends with people. And the way to become friends is to share a meal. Right. He said, the only difference is I don't, I don't cook. I punch. So I'm going to share my punch <laughs> with them. Right. And, uh, but, and, and he was so smart that he also realized they're going to share their stuff with me too. Right. And I will be better for it. Right. Bruce Lee's, the reason I think he was such a combat genius wasn't because he knew Kung Fu. It's because he knew that Kung Fu wasn't enough in this day and age, and he had to learn other things. Right. So by teaching, he also learned. Yeah. So I think that was similar. You know, if if we were trying to strategize a way to, you know, fortify our, you know, our property, and we thought, okay, it's me and you and uh, a small amount of artillery, great, we'll be fine. But if we had a special thing that we knew, it would be to our benefit to go find someone and say, hey, we're going to teach you our thing or share our thing. Can you share us? You, can you share with us too? Now, all of a sudden, we have a larger force with yeah. greater knowledge. Makes That's sense. Yeah. Now so, you know what I know. I know what you know. Together, we're stronger. Right. Exactly. And if we do have an issue, we're equal. So whoever wins this conflict, if there even is going to be one, it's going to be even now. So we, you know, you know all the martial arts I know and everything you know. Hopefully, well, there will be no more conflict. But even if there is, it's on even ground. So right. it's going to be fair. Got it. So I think. I think, I think I think that was an interesting viewpoint. I think one of the greatest challenges, and, and I mean, I, I don't know where this came from. I have this thought in my head, and I spoke about it to someone before, and they sort of gave me a little bit more insight on it. But there's this vision where there's these two gods, right? God, that's the greatest being, or mm-hmm. the greatest entity, or the greatest whatever. There's two of them, and they're playing this game because they're kind of bored. And one of them says, like, I'm going to split you into an infinite amount of pieces, and the goal is for all those pieces to realize that they came from the same source. And when they realize that, then you can come back to your 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 oneness. But the game is all those infinite pieces have to realize that they are the same in order for you to win the game, right? So I say that to say that I think one of the greatest challenges that we face today as a people, as a species, is that we think that we're not the same, when we really yes, are all the fucking same, <laughs> period. That's it. 100%. I mean, when you take away all uh, this, I'm like this and I'm like this, and you just say we're all the same and we all, you, it just makes, I think it makes stuff a whole lot easier if you could understand the fact that we came from the same place. We are the same thing. I like to do it this way. You like to do it that way, but you know, you can do it that way. I can do it this way, but we're still the same. That's one of the greatest challenges of I course. think we experience as a people is that we think we're different when we're really not. I mean, imagine if for a second, if everyone took a year off of any kind of uh, enemy think, there's no enemy, just for a year. Well, we'll get back to it. We'll go back to enemies if you want. (laughs) 
and there's and there is collectively four goals, three goals, two goals, five goals of humanity. That's it. The goals are nobody's hungry. We're going to get to Mars. We're going to cure these couple diseases, and we're going to make sure everybody can read. Just as an example, I'm not suggesting right, those right. are the only goals. But right. if those were if those were the goals. If for a year we said there's no enemies, so there's no resources at all going to the defense of enemies, the attacking of enemies, the spying on enemies, whatever. That's that's I know powerful. This is preposterous, wow. but it's just it's but powerful. That's what it is. Much, I'm just you haven't even finished right. the, the the statement, and I'm just thinking about what right, the right. possibilities can it. be. Right, right. So we would be on Mars. We would probably cure a significant amount or advance a lot of disease. We would have who knows what. I mean, technology would could be superior. It's just I, I always kind of joke that it's kind of like ants. You see a colony of ants, they can do so much, but when they run into another colony, they never say. Hey, why don't we become friends and then go wipe out all the termites and then become the biggest mega ant army ever and take over the world? They're like, no, you're red. We're black. Let's fight. Let's do this. We're going to do what? That's it. But if they had just a second, any animal, lions, if all the lions were on one big team, boy, that would be a problem. All right. the, <laughs> yet we're the only animal that can really recognize that and we just won't do it. Right. It's like the biggest joke of our of our species is well, that well you we just spoke about you just spoke about them. nature and i like to refer to nature for a lot of reasons because you know they don't operate with words like we do they don't have the brain capacity supposedly that we do they operate naturally so when i see us do some things even though we can speak and we're supposed to be smarter it comes back to natural and natural is like the programming the code like why would we be able to break the code the code seems to be conflict. Yeah, the no, code the, seems to be is. I mean, only the strongest survives. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the, that's hundred percent. And I feel like, I feel like again, we talked about Keanu Reeves. The code—that's the Matrix. We can see the code, but we're still stuck to the code. Neo was able to see the code and change it. Right. We have a unique opportunity that, you know, let's—I'm going to use the word woke, wokeness. You know, being aware. I know people shit on that word. I don't think they should. They can use it playful if they want. But the idea of woke, being awake, if you're awake and see the code, if you can see the programming, it would be better to be able to then grab that quote unquote matrix, the code, and just improve upon it. Human nature is animal nature, right? We're going to be hungry. We're going to want to have some amount of reproductive activity, whether it's to have kids or just for people who want to have sex. We're going to have anger and happiness and, and enjoy the sunlight and all these basic things. But we know that about ourselves. There's a reason that hopefully most people aren't out just eating anything they can touch. You don't go to a restaurant and grab someone else's food. You don't just <laughs> touch any person. You know, you don't be ridiculous. Right. You can't just touch someone because you think they're attractive. We're, we're, we're elevating that a little bit, but we right. just have this opportunity. It can be pushed so much further. And I think that's when we talked about what my greatest fear is. My greatest fear is that we won't realize that. Got it. I don't think in my life for sure, but that it can be done. Right. You know, we don't have to have this. You know, we don't have to have people this way. That was, um, uh, that was a, that was a dope I, answer, man. I like, I like that answer. You gave us a lot of content. <laughs> we spoke on that for a bit. But um, as I mentioned earlier, as I've mentioned several times during the podcast, one of the smartest guys I know. So with that being said, there's a lot of books on the desk in the on the on the tables in the gym over there. But um, what's the last <laughs> book you read, uh, or the best book you read, and you want to share with everybody? I'll keep it real simple. I think the Tao of Jeet Kune Do by Bruce Lee 
even though it seems like it's only about martial arts, uh, there's just there's a forward thinker in, in that man. There's I, I very rarely will use words like hero or genius for in, anything in my life. And if there's a person who was a real genius who really had uh, just kindness and intelligence and strength and a beautiful balance of discipline and toughness, but with sensitivity, I'd say it's pretty hard pressed to find someone more interesting than um, the good old Bruce Lee. So I'll say the Tao Jeet Kune Do is an awesome book to read. Okay. I've never heard anybody recommend that one, so I'll definitely have to check it out. Hopefully it's on Audible because that's how I get most of my book knowledge. But if not, I'll buy the hard copy and I'll definitely read it. Um, okay. Um, finishing up, what are some what are some of the words you live by? Um, it's my dad said this to me. I wish I, I came up with it. He said, um, it's always better to be kind than to be right. So I try to live by that. I struggle with it myself, but it's my effort. That's probably the main one that that okay. kind of strikes me. Are you gonna have to you gonna have to go a little bit deeper on that because I'm thinking, um, that's not. I mean, I'm just thinking that I can be kind to my kid, or I can be right by my kid. So I can be like, hey, I know you want to play out in the streets after the streetlights come on, but that would be being kind. But it's more dangerous at night when the streetlights come on, so you need to be in the house. That would be right. So is that a good uh, example or not a good example? Because I'm, I'm thinking I need to be right. <laughs> Kindness can come next. Well, I would say this. If you're going to keep someone safe, that's actually more kind than giving them a little pleasure that they think they want. So for example, I'll joke with my clients, even in personal training, I'll say, Hey man, you got to stop eating all the sugar or whatever. Right. I like it. Don't be, don't be mean to me. I'm like, <laughs> I know you like it. I like it. It tastes, tastes delicious. Right. But the kind thing for me to do is to try and give them the discipline to not have it. So I actually think that is being kinder. It's just deeper kind. Okay. I don't think it's kind to give someone who struggles with their weight, a piece of cake. I think it's kind of like, feeding an addiction and i mean that's a strong word but it kind of is like feeding you know a problem okay so i think the kind thing to do is help them to help them to be empowered to not want that not to be a dick about it okay so i would say the kind thing is is to do the right thing but with with a with a sense of niceness okay instead of telling someone man you're not you're not disciplined you don't want it enough no days off okay i would say uh, the opposite I, I, yeah these are, I got these are yeah, right, i so, just wanted you to go a little bit deeper on that one but it, you definitely did that so uh sure. yeah uh, with that being said, unless you got anything else you want to share, I mean, content, uh, social media, um, places they can find you, something about the gym, you know, anything else you want to share, we'll be wrapping it up now, man. And always, um, I thank you. Of course. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. If anyone wants to come check us out, or if they have questions, um, the underscore Legion underscore gym on Instagram. I'm always happy to talk. If anyone wants to just talk fitness, health, et cetera, I am not big on selling any services. I'm just happy to answer questions or be helpful. Um, and just like Terrence, you know, local business, uh, friend to all and anything anyone needs, I'm, I'm here for it. Thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate you. You got it, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs>